Sorry. Okay. So yeah, there we go. Um, Tony. Hi. Welcome, man. Thank you. Yeah. Glad thanks. to be back. Yeah. Welcome back to Locally Curious. Yeah. Um, it's awesome having you on. We just enjoyed a nice lunch and some coffee, and now uh, now we're gonna dig into some real estate. So I appreciate you appreciate you taking the time out to to chat with me again. It's it's always a pleasure. Absolutely. Sweet. So today. I'd love to just kind of dive in right away and talk about how consumer behavior throughout this year has changed and what we've what we've been seeing going on just overall. So, um, Tony, if I could start off, just kick you a question on how you think that uh, the year 2020 started off in terms of real estate. Start off really strong. I mean, we were yeah. de- definitely killing it from January to beginning of March. It was... Uh, I mean, and historically, that's usually when the market takes off again. It's like people take that almost middle to end of October through end of December, I wouldn't say off of work, but definitely off of obligations and financial decisions and big things because the holidays and family time. And it's always kind of the the way our market goes. And as much as it's a good time to buy at the end of December, it's not necessarily a good time to sell. So people are all out again in January. And we were really strong till March. And uh, yeah, then we know what happened and life definitely changed. And people thought that, uh, uh, you know, maybe time to take a a step back and reflect on what they do next and what's safe to do and what isn't. And yeah, definitely, definitely affected us for a solid two weeks here in Colorado. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And I kind of wanted to dig into that too, in terms of what, as soon as the lockdown came, came up, like as soon as that was, set in stone um we had so many confusing guidelines sent to us like every single day we had two or three updates on whether we're allowed to do showings how we're allowed to do showings everything like that Mm -hmm. how do you think how did you keep your head on straight and how did you make sure to like keep working keep production going but yeah keep yourself grounded in terms of in this tumultuous era uh well I mean, and good question. I just, I think people, I think just coming to the realization that whether we were locked down or not, people still need homes. Yeah. People are still moving here in droves. There are still companies opening every single day, it seems like here with new employment, new job openings. And even though people were maybe being laid off or furloughed or whatever the case may be, there were still plenty of people who were coming here. And even those people who were being laid off still maybe were considering selling their home where they may not have been before. And what do you do? How do you adapt to that? How do you, like, I guess, be a little ahead of the curve and realize that even though we're not technically allowed to show homes, people still need to buy homes. So how you adapt to that? And I think that was the key is just keeping your head on straight and, and staying positive about what we do next. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's beautiful. Like the word ad- adapt, like being adaptive in this, in this industry and in this market currently is how you survive. Um, and yeah, I appreciate that you've always highlighted that fact because if we, if we don't change with the market, we, we die mm-hmm. um, career wise, of course, not, not our actual lives, but um yeah so that's a great point and kind of moving on to that adaption like since Aprilish since we've been coming out of this this lockdown um how do you think you've had to adapt your business what has the consumer sentiment been like are they are your buyers really really aggressive or are they taking a little bit more time to like a little bit more emotional counseling going on are you seeing any of that 
Um, so it depends if they've, if they've already owned real estate in Colorado, they understand how it works. You know, if I was working with a seller and they saw how quickly their home sold, then they also know how quickly they need to purchase because they understand the kind of aggressiveness that's in the market and they have to be ready to play ball. I mean, and, and they knew that because they sold, they know that's how it is when they go to buy, but first time home buyers, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think they were just willing to work through the process of how it works. And if, I I don't know, like I, I think it all just worked out in the end. I don't know exactly. It was all, it all just seems like a blur now because at, at the beginning of lockdown, when we weren't allowed to have showings, I had plenty of listings coming up on the market and my sellers saying, what do we do if we can't have showings? And it was kind of like, trial and error i don't know let's see if we if we put it out there and we price it right and we take really good photos that's huge um people are 90 percent committed before they see the home if they feel like the vibe is there and it looks good so people were willing to take the risk of writing the offer going under contract and then if they needed to they were still i guess they still had the option in their back pocket to bail on the contract if they needed to for inspection items. So it was just a way of, of, I guess, rolling with the punches of how do we do this next? Because as much as showings were not legal, inspections were. So you would just have an inspection instead of a showing, which is kind of like a showing later, maybe a little bit more in depth. So there's a little bit of risk there, but also a level of protection too. Within the Colorado contract with real estate, you do have, you do have your ways out. I mean, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not what you want to do as a buyer, but in in these circumstances, that was good to know that you could still get what you want, look at it later, and still you know come out on top. Yeah, for sure. And that and that really strikes a chord with me because we saw how much. How, well, my I myself with a client was, it, she was pre qualified. Was everything was looking great, and then as soon as the lockdown hit and those that underwriting became more stringent. Um, it, it did genuinely kick her out of, kick her out of, uh, qualification for, mm-hmm. um, for her family and the house that she needed. Um, so just like how fast these have all moved and staying within that protected area, trying to protect your clients as much as possible yet give them as much exposure to these, like real estate's a very active thing. It's a very tangible thing. You want to go and see it. Um, with that, I guess with that in mind, we've been seeing a big, a big rise in virtual tours, a big rise in, um, I guess, the importance of online marketing in terms of listings and um, making people feel fall in love with that home before they even go and see it. Um, is that something that you're looking forward and adapting in your listings and, and something you're you're welcoming in? Or do you think that it, it causes some extra noise and... and um, but I just, what's your opinion on that, do you think? As far as like making, like how, how powerful the listing has to be, yeah, in terms of like does a virtual tour and um, things that we saw pop up a bit more predominantly during um, COVID, do you see those things carrying on really in something or is that something you think that was more uh, since agents had the time and they weren't allowed to be out in the field doing more, they had a little bit of extra time to place on uh, virtual campaigns? Yeah, no, definitely. I get what you're saying. And, and I think even more than realtors, photographers have had to adapt to all of this oh. and they're upping their game on what they include in a typical, what I would call like a photo package or when you, when an, um, a realtor, a listing agent, when they commit to a photographer that they've chosen and that's who they've decided to have come do their photography, then that photo package, maybe instead of 40 
listing photos. It's now listing photos, Matter, Matterport tour, virtual tour, walkthroughs, um, like virtual layouts. So yeah, there's definitely been um, an array of things added to the photo presentation when you have a listing. And I think that photographers now see that as obviously a win for them because they're able to capitalize on that listing a little bit more, charge a little bit more. They're benefiting from it. The agent's benefiting because now we're able to give a more in-depth look at that home and potentially sell to that out-of-state buyer who feels more comfortable with your listing because they can see more of it and kind of get a feel for it and be willing to commit to it without seeing it in person. Yeah. So yeah. it's definitely changed the landscape of how we do photography. And it's become even more important now to have professional photography um, and and not the what we've all seen as the cell phone agent photos where the, I'm sorry, but the realtor being in half the photos because they're in the reflection of the mirror or in a door frame or in a window is just not the way this business should be going. Yeah, it's unacceptable. It is. Fully. It is. And if you're if you're going to choose an agent to work for you, choose one who's going to invest in your listing because truth be told, the agent has more of an investment before your home sells than even the seller does. So we're the ones who should be making the commitment up front to show that we know what we're doing. Yeah. No, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That that level of service going up and being way more than a facilitator, being an actual counselor. Um I feel yeah, that's what that's what the true mark of a realtor is. Um and that's that value. The value that you bring and the value you're teaching me to bring to my clients is is unparalleled. Um and so then kind of going into I guess pressing more into the virtual tours, you kind of touched on um, out-of-state buyers. Mm -hmm. And we were chatting about this earlier at lunch. And you're still seeing out-of-state buyers contacting you looking for looking for real estate in Colorado. So how are you how are you seeing that with are do those out-of-state buyers tend to be a little bit more like willing to pull the trigger um, or than than consumers here? And is that is that an actual um, competitive marketplace for us? Definitely. Um, because Drew, as, as you know, we are becoming the like central hub for a lot of tech companies and a lot of businesses moving here. Uh, Subaru just announced another plant that they're opening in Aurora, Colorado with 550,000 square feet of um, manufacturing space. Wow. So that's huge. That's bringing yeah. more workers. So therefore, those people need to pick a place pretty quick. So if they're not going with new construction, they're going with the next best thing, which is uh, maybe a year or two old homes. So they feel like it's new enough that they're not getting into a whole array of I potential issues with the home. So yeah, definitely out-of-state buyers are, are buying right now. I, I have a brand new listing in Colorado Springs and an agent contacted me this morning saying he has a buyer moving here from California is totally in love with the home and wants to know if he can make an offer on it sight unseen. I don't have an issue with that. The agent's going to come out and, and do the showing. He'll probably do a virtual tour or FaceTime or mm -hmm. any of these new apps where you can be on the call virtually in person and see the home. And that's definitely happening. And they're making strong offers because they know they're competing with people who are actually there in person and can do it. But I mean, it's definitely working out. I get calls, Zillow leads or from RE Colorado of people who don't live here, but they want someone who can kind of get on the ground and look at the homes for them. And that's, I don't know, it's just definitely, it's changing the landscape of real estate completely. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, that influx Colorado isn't, it's, it's a 
state people migrate to and we're seeing that's not a pattern that's this discontinuing especially mm-hmm. folks from california texas and new york and what's what's really important i think to know and um we've chatted about is the price of living in california like us in colorado we sit we sit here and we're like things are getting so expensive prices for properties going out of the roof but if you look at california look at silicon valley those prices only continued to increase to the point mm-hmm. of where those Californians, mov- Californians moving to Colorado, they're seeing it as a discounted life with all, all if not more perks than California has. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's super important for for consumers to know as well is that when you're buying a house in, out here in Colorado um, and you're picturing it as the most expensive thing, overpriced, everything like this, people from California are coming over stoked to get in on this deal um before it it blows up to there's no more under 500k homes Mm -hmm. at all available um and i think we're both pretty excited for for as that continues to develop and and um i guess being able to educate our clients on on how the transaction goes and how the how colorado is still a beautiful place for for uh real estate ownership in terms of as an investment like right so much more um i guess foundationally strong than stocks or bonds in terms of in terms of volatility and and um markets um so i I just think it's really exciting um so then kind of finishing up is the middle of august and we saw a bit of a a drop in showings when the lockdown Mm -hmm. occurred of course um in these months since as we've been destroying 2019 especially in um june and july destroying 2019 and showings like we are three thousand showings up each month on those um in terms of i guess that delayed onslaught of of like late time spring buyers um do you see a lot more of them coming to list their homes later in this year do you think they're just going to wait till till next year and what do you what what's your um I guess your position on, I guess the advantages of of jumping in the market now. Well, um, something to keep in mind on that, Drew, is that uh, we don't have a traditional school year right now. We don't have parents gearing up to get their kids back in school. I mean, that's yeah. selective on the county you live in, sometimes the state you live in, sometimes the school. I mean, there's so many variables with that. Whereas a year ago, you always knew this is summertime. This is when people are out. They're getting ready. So they're ready for next year. Or they're trying to get their children into the school system for next year. So they want to go buy a house in this neighborhood or this side of town. And I don't really know what the drive is for people when they're homeschooling their children anyway. I, I, being someone who doesn't have children, I don't necessarily understand all aspects of that. So it would be hard to pinpoint exactly when the rush or the surge will be because that seems to keep changing. And I will just say that when um, lockdown happened, about 60% of the listings came back off the market or went off the market because people got nervous and they mm-hmm. thought, oh, now's not a time to sell. People can't look at the homes. And I thought, why not put a positive spin on that for people thinking about listing? Now you're out there with 60% less competition. Yeah. Get your house out there because there's less to choose from. Therefore, you're going to sell quicker for higher value and you're going to close quick because there's nobody else out there. You're the only show in town. So there was definitely an opportunity there for sellers to do well, as well as some buyers too saw it as an opportunity to go out and and in their own mind, they thought they were the only 
the only showing for that day, and they may well not have been. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know, and I guess um, going forward, all we can really do is consider the fact that Colorado has a job market almost second to none. Um, we have more people than we have homes. We have jobs coming here by the thousands. I don't see our market changing all that much, and and. People need to take into consideration that if we're on a upswing of eight to twelve percent per year, and if predictions are that we're going to drop five percent in two years, well, then you're up sixteen. Take away five, you're still up eleven percent. Yeah, and you can't say that when you sign a lease, you're up zero percent. Your one hundred percent interest rate mortgage is a rental. Yeah, so. People with this idea that, oh, I'm going to wait for the market to crash. So in, in the meantime, I'm going to spend another $25,000, dollars $50,000 in rent mm-hmm. waiting for the market to come down an average of five to $10,000 maybe are not considering the fact that that $500,000 house went up to six hundred and came down ten. Yeah. Who yeah. cares? Fully. We're not looking at it in the right frame of mind. And that's what I think Drew and I are here to help people understand is that home ownership is so much more than the volatility of what you see on Facebook or on the news or this event or that event. It is so much more than that. And it's continued to be more than that for almost 100 years now. In any 10-year span, everybody's made money in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. There are there are snapshots you could take out and say, oh, yeah, they lost three grand that year, or 20 grand that year. But what about all the highs that they experienced in that time? Yeah. So yeah. the 75 years in real estate data we have, if you sold your house in only four of those years, you would have lost money. And that was 08 through 11. Um, and then, yeah, speaking to that point, like really driving the truth home is, is even if people wait an extra year, we're at historic interest rate lows. Mm-hmm. So if they wait one more year, that $20,000, that house potentially, if it ever God forbid, depreciated, you're now paying for an inflated interest rate. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important for people to also understand that, that the interest rate at a 2.6 versus a 3.6 mm-hmm. is considerable. Power. Yeah, that mm-hmm. dollar, your dollar goes so much further right now that even if slight depreciation happens in the next two years due to some kind of overvaluation of Colorado real estate, it's you're going to be paying honestly still even less or the same just mm-hmm. about for a smaller home in the future, um, so yeah, driving that point home, it's I I couldn't say it any better. Well, and renters say all the time, I'm waiting for interest rates to come down again, and then I'll sign, and then I'll shop. I'm waiting for home prices to come down, and then I'll shop. Well, if those people have been saying that for five years, I hate to do the calculation for them on what they've spent in rent. Actually, I don't hate it. I do it all the time. It's <laughs> it's not something to make fun of them or belittle them, but it's to educate and show truly. If you are simply looking at our market as it's too high, I can't get in. I don't think that that's necessarily the the play that you should be making right now. Yeah. Because even if our market came down, like you said, it's going to come back up. They're going to make money. Interest rates are low. Money's cheap. Rentals always 100% interest rate. Because you see no return on it. Yeah. So. And and even if, um, like, say, people in Colorado decided home ownership wasn't fully for them or something like that for some odd reason, then it shifts to working with investors, which is 
a beautiful aspect as well because working with investors, um, somebody has to live in these homes. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people are concerned about millennials not having as much interest in home ownership, which I think is false. I think they just took that back in like 2013 or something. And now if you asked in 2020, I think a lot more would take home ownership as a, as a serious consideration and, and goal. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, yeah. So even without, with, if millennials didn't want to purchase homes, we're still working with investors. People have to live in those homes. Somebody's going to be occupying them and somebody's mm-hmm. going to be owning them. Yep. And it's, it's just if owners, owner occupants want to actually like be able to take advantage of that appreciation for them for themselves yeah. as opposed to keep paying other people's mortgages. And I think we can dive into this a little bit more with a lender, but I, I will say that uh, when people compare our market to 10 years ago and say, what happens when we have a crash like we had in 2010, they're forgetting the fact that in most financial recessions, the housing market actually does better, except for this one that we just had in 2008 eight, nine, 10, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, depending on where you live. We recovered from it because we started becoming more stringent on how mortgages work, who Mm -hmm. qualifies, how they qualify, what they have to prove. It is not easy to get a mortgage right now. And that's a good thing for those who own. You want to be neighbors with somebody who struggled to get their mortgage. It should not be a walk in and walk out with a mortgage. It just should not work that way and it doesn't work that way. So if we have another recession, it will be totally related to something other than just subrate mortgages. For That's sure. just not what's happening in our in our marketplace and therefore they can offer 2% interest rates, 2.5%, 3% because people have to actually work to get a mortgage. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah, qualify first. Yeah, and be it's protecting just, us. Yeah, fully. No, I couldn't couldn't agree with that more. Yeah, in 2000, 2008 through 2011, 69% of the U.S. population owned homes. And then um, as of 2013, it went to 64%. And then in 2020, it's back up to 65%. And so that's about 6 million less people who own homes in in. Um, the U.S., which is actually fine because uh, exactly like you said, liberalized underwriting is is the reason why people couldn't pay pay their mortgages anymore and why we had a huge influx of people who couldn't couldn't uh, had to foreclose because they had to default on their loans. So that's uh, awesome stat and awesome information to keep in mind because, yeah, working for a home should be an, a big step in your life should be something that you work hard towards and you appreciate. I, I think it is a privilege to own real estate. And um, in terms of privilege, I guess I mean it's it's a really cool thing to do that you have to work towards and mm-hmm. nobody's just going to give it to you. And that's um, why it's called an investment. Perfect. Literally perfect. Yep. So awesome, Tony. Well, thanks for, thanks for chatting with me yeah, today. Yeah, thanks for having and me here. let's go do some real estate work. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Right. Yep, have a good one. Should we end with a prayer?